Welcome to Career Tools. This week, five jobs from this resume. Here we go. So this is a little bit different cast we've got here. You've chosen some resumes uh, from some resumes that were sent to us, and we've analyzed them because people ask us all the time, what do you think I should do? What does my resume prepare me for? What might I not be thinking about? And we've anonymized some resumes, and we want to share with them, share with folks how we look at resumes and how they might be able to see their own uh, career paths a little bit differently. Exactly. Yeah. So we've got, I think, uh, five suggestions for each person. We made it a bit, uh, for the first three people, we made it a bit bit harder by um, not allowing ourselves to pick the same job twice. So there are some, some more options for all of these people, but hopefully just the five we've given will give people an idea of what options might apply to them and, and a way of thinking about the options. We've got four resumes. Deanna Troy, who's a long-term employee at IBM. Willie Olson, who um, has had various roles in retail and cruises. Melinda Foster, a recent graduate. And then Nellie Olson, who's an example of job change and, and indus- um, a really big difference between the jobs that she had at the beginning of her career to the end. So we haven't suggested jobs for her. We just wanted to show people an example of how you can step from job to job and, and get a... Um, and over your career, make make a really long path. Okay, good. Let's talk about Deanna Troy, long-term employee at IBM. Yeah, so Deanna hasn't told us when she graduated. Not, none of these resumes were picked because they are good examples of resumes necessarily. They were picked because they were good examples for us to use. Um, and she hasn't told us when she graduated, so we can't guess that. But if she was an Eagle Scout in 1988, I'm guessing there are some jobs missing off the be- bottom of her resume. Assuming, of course, that 1988 was roughly when she was in high school. So she, let's assume exactly. that's when she was 18 years old. And then her professional career doesn't start until 1997, nine years later. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Good. So there's probably a few jobs missing right at the beginning, but um, she did a year at um, one company and then ever since she's worked for IBM all the way up from 19, yeah. 1998. 14 years, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and she's done some team lead work. She's um, done some project management work. It's a pretty solid work history at a great company. Yeah. And to be clear, we should be telling people these resumes will be available on the web for folks to look at. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Good. Yeah, so so you'll if be able to you, see them. Yeah, you may prefer to listen to this later after you've had a chance to look at the resume. Yeah. So clearly, Deanne is probably not going to leave IBM right at this point. So we had to create a little scenario. So we're just going to assume that she got laid off. Nothing wrong with her, but just for the sake of argument, we're going to pretend that she got laid off. So what could she do next? Yeah. So one of the, the first thing I thought of was she could work as a supplier to IBM. So in her current role, she supports teams who are developing web solutions um, and enablement projects. And she's got experience with resolving the problems for the customers and understanding what they're looking for. And she works with 180 customers. Right. And you'd think, though, <laughs> one of those might have an opening for someone to work with them with their relationship with IBM. So yeah. sort of someone in the middle who understands the process at IBM, but also can understand their needs really well and and to be a kind of communication conduit between the two of them. 
Yeah, I, I think people miss the idea of going to work for a vendor or going to work for a customer when they're at a larger company. Generally speaking, when somebody goes to work for a company like IBM, one of the brightest companies in the history of the world, there is something known as a signaling effect. Getting hired by IBM, going to Harvard to school, um, going to the London School of Economics for a master's degree, those are, those provide signaling effects. And what that says is, I know how hard it is to do what this person did. So it means something when I'm looking at their resume. Um, it's why I chose to go to West Point, why I chose to go to Procter Gamble. So in that sense, the community of vendors and, and customers of companies like IBM, are aware of that signal process. And that's part of the reason why in the up and out, uh, upper out culture, if you will, of big companies, there are a lot of people who want to go to the top, but not everybody can go to the top. There are healthy other options and working for supplier or working for a customer is an absolutely time-tested, well-known way to continue your career and to maintain your relationships at the company you started with at IBM and to trade on the value of that. Going from IBM to a company, getting hired by a company who's never heard of IBM, you lose the goodwill you've built up at IBM. Yeah, that's exactly what I did when I left IBM. So that was an easy call for me. Yeah, easy. Good. Okay, what else? <laughs> okay, so she could look for a similar role in another company. And that's what most people do. Absolutely. Most yeah. people think, okay, well, I'll move from here and I'll do, I'll find, try and find exactly the same job at another company. And there are lots of other large IT project delivery companies that have similar roles to the ones that Deanna has. Right. It's not her only option, but it is a very straightforward option. So I looked, there's five other companies in the Fortune 100 whose industry is listed as information technology services, the same as IBM. And they're all great targets for her in that they would be the same kind of big company, the same kind of um, processes and procedures that she's used to. The other way she could go in that kind of same vein is if she wants a challenge, then a smaller company that doesn't have that kind of function, but want, is growing and needs it, and then she could set up a department from scratch. And that might be kind of fun sure. for her after a long time of working to kind of fairly stringent processes and procedures. Yeah, I have found that people often, Wendy, don't do what you just suggested, which is, okay, what industry am I in? Information technology services. Let's go to the Fortune 500. Who are the, who are the companies that are in our industry? There are so many people who let their external network wither. Uh, about the only people that I don't worry about that with are salespeople. I was talking to a general manager, essentially a CEO of a, I had a billion dollar division of a client recently, and he was having dinner with a competitor, a very significant competitor, to talk about joint ventures, but also because he said, you know, I, you never know what's going to happen in the world, not at the expense of his own firm, but keeping, keeping uh, his network strong. And too many people say, oh my gosh, I, you know, I got laid off. What do I do? And they don't even think, let's find the other companies that do what I do. Now, hopefully you would know that based on who competes for the business that you, your company wants. But many people are so far removed at bigger companies from who actually is competing with you that they don't know who it is. They don't know who the competition is. But you can go to the Fortune 500. You can find out. You can do a Google search. You heck, you could probably type in IBM competitors. And then all you have to do is a search for that company within a hundred mile radius of where you are. And there's probably 10 or 15 opportunities that are close. And I'm amazed at the number of people who, I think part of it is the, the slap in the face or the depression that comes with being laid off. But 
Far too many people don't do that simple step-by-step process and say, hey, there are other opportunities that would be a perfect fit for me. Then I'm going to get hired, but they're a perfect fit. Yeah, you can't guarantee those places have openings, but you can up your chances by looking to see if there yeah. are openings. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get any opening. You don't get the opportunity to interview for an opening you didn't know existed. Yes. So uh, next option for Deanna is to broaden the scope of her current skills. So she's been kind of in the IT project management kind of area but she's done a lot of customer service work and she could she'd be great at any customer service team lead or manager position she's got plenty of experience lots of customer experience and a good deal of improvement experience and that's something that's also important in customer facing teams is that they constantly improve their processes and improve their customer service levels and satisfaction and i think that's something that she'd be really good at okay good you mentioned one of the things you said, go back to one of her previous roles. Yeah, so she did quality assurance before, um, and she's also done straight project management before. So she could go back, if those were things that she enjoyed, she could go back to those and kind of play on that experience that she has in order to, to get interviews for those kind of roles. Good. And then, of course, obviously, she could do something completely new if she decided she wanted to. Yeah, so I mean, everybody has the world is their oyster, right? You, there, <laughs> there is there is nothing to stop me saying, oh, tomorrow I want to be a ballet dancer. <laughs> it's probably unlikely at being five foot two. That, that's you know, that's that's a dead no no. Right. But um, there's nothing to stop me saying I want to try. And everybody kind of thinks, oh, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do this. But there is no reason for you not to say. I've done nine to five for 15 years. I've got some money. I'm going to make cupcakes or I'm going to be a massage therapist or I'm going to volunteer or I'm going to go abroad for a year or I'm going to retrain into a different industry altogether and start over. Yeah, I think that uh, having six to nine months to 12 months of income in the bank would be helpful. I think too many people don't know that we have a podcast about having six months income in the bank all the time. So if you have a layoff, you don't have to worry about the next couple of months. I got asked yesterday, Mark, how did you start a consulting firm? I said, well, I got fired. (laughs) And in fact, the career choice was I got fired and I wanted to stay in the small town that we were raising our children in. And so there were no jobs that were available to me in this town that would be satisfying unless I had my own firm. And so it wasn't, I didn't two months before have a burning desire to start my own firm. And so in a way, I did something completely new. Now I leverage what I'd already done, but I think too many people think that other people's careers have some sort of plan. And it's been my experience with so many people. There isn't a plan. There just isn't. I mean, there are some people who do that. And there are some people who get written up because they achieve their goal. I didn't have this goal when I started my career. I wouldn't do any other job in the world. But doing something completely new is completely reasonable if you want to do it bad enough and you have money to weather the storm while you're trying to figure out what it is you want to do and how you're going to make money at it. Okay, good. So let's talk about Willie Olson. He's had uh, retail experience. He's had experience in the cruise industry as well. Yeah. And one of the things I noticed about Willie was that he had been very successful. He has a lot of really well quantified accomplishments on his resume and he clearly knows how to. Yeah. It's a great uh, resume. The yeah. business bottom line. He's really good. So we're going to um, imagine that Willie wants a change from the cruise industry and he doesn't want to go to back to retail. And some of the options that are open to Deanna are, would also be open to Willie, but we're just going to come up with some additional right. ones. Right. Some additional ones. Good. Yeah. 
So um, the first one is systems and process improvement. So he's had a lot of experience looking at systems and processes and improving them. Not only does he have a really, he seems to have from his resume a really good handle on how to do this, but he is really good at changing the metrics, knowing what metrics are important and then changing them. Um, And he, he has a lot of evidence of that on his resume. So he could do a systems process improvement role, either as a consultant in his own business and leverage the contacts that he already has and then gradually move away from cruises if that's what he wants to do. Or he could work as a consultant for somebody else's business. So I'm thinking of PricewaterhouseCoopers and those kind of people that send their businesses for business improvement. Um, A specialist in the cruise industry for process improvement would be great for them. I'm amazed at how many people don't think about that, thinking... The industry, oh, well, the industry wouldn't necessarily hire me. And again, it depends on your network, right? It depends on how many mm-hmm. people you know at other cruise ships and uh, other cruise companies and so on. But it happens all the time that somebody was a manager or a director and they start a firm and they have one client in their industry. And then they realize, I understand the systemic knowledge it takes to make these changes elsewhere. And while it would be more difficult to do it somewhere else, maybe it's a lot more difficult in a hotel or maybe it's a lot more difficult in a grocery store or in a municipality, still the experience, if you can get hired in one industry, you could probably get hired in another one, depending again on the strength of your network. Uh, if you have a friend, uh, I, I like to tell people the reason my company was successful years ago was because I had friends with budget. Um, <laughs> but that starts with having friends. <laughs> it does. So the next thing we found for um, Willie was food services management. So he's Uh, on the cruise ships that he's worked on. He's had a lot of experience managing food and beverage delivery. And if you ever read any of those things about how big cruise ships are and how much food there is on them, it's amazing. So um, a really big hotel or a large food services company like Sodexo would want his kind of experience. Yeah. And there's hotels everywhere. So he gets to choose like Vegas or Hawaii or South America, anywhere he wants to go. And if I was him, I would choose a really high class hotel because he's got a really good resume and um, he, he could get in somewhere really nice to work. Yeah, the Four Seasons, the Intercontinental, someplace that really <laughs> hires really, really great people. Then that's on your resume as well. That makes a big difference. Now, again, we have a signaling effect. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, But if he wants to do something different, if he's interested in aircraft or trains or military bases, all of those have outsourced food and beverage services, usually. Um, If he wants to be around young people, universities and schools do. There's all sorts of big institutions that have food services delivery. And so he gets to choose his environment, which is really fun. Yeah. Okay, so next uh, we have business development. So he had some business development experience um, kind of in the middle of his career, about six years ago, which you'd think wasn't terribly relevant. But his cost and revenue focus, I think he's still really good at negotiating. Um, he's He's a persuasive type. And if he wants to, if he's got to the stage in his life where he wants to have control over his income, Business development would be a great way to do to go. Keep a low salary and a lot of bonus that depends on your own motivation. He could be really good at that and make a lot of money of it. Good. Facilities management as well, right? I mean, a lot of operations experience uh, comes in contact with facilities. 
there's there's customer focus that's required. There's project management, and certainly there's cost issues all the time when it comes to facilities. Um, and there's evidence that it's there. And if in fact he interviews as well as he creates a resume, which we often see, provided there's uh, there's some some good communication skills, verbal communication skills, uh, folks, we see this a lot. People who have really tight resumes who, who have thought carefully about their accomplishments have those accomplishments at the ready in an interview, which is exactly the way uh, uh, great companies interview. Uh, and it makes the interview process a great deal easier. Yeah. And then the last one we found for Willie was a purchasing role. So if he wanted, maybe he's just had children, he wants to stay around while they're at school, a nice stable job for the next few years, then purchasing or purchasing management. It just tends to be a more nine to five role in, in small to medium uh medium to large size companies, I'm sorry. Um, and, and there's negotiation and targets involved, which I think would still keep him interested, but provide a little bit more stability than some of the other roles that we suggested. Good. Okay. Next is Melinda Foster. Uh, she's a recent graduate. She is. She got a 2-1 in philosophy, which is, um, I looked it up, it's between a 3.3 and a 3.67 GPA. That's quite good. Yeah. If you don't know, folks, the general goal in college in the U.S. is to graduate with a 3.0. Uh, if you're a 3.5 or above, you did well. Uh, there, there are certainly some great inflation, and there are places where it seems like, in fact, Harvard is famous for you can't graduate with less than 3.7. Um, we think that's silly, but it's true. But a 3.3 to 3.6 is good. Yeah. Um, and she went to one of the one of the. Uh, uh, it's a top 15 yeah, UK university. York. So she was pretty good. Yeah. Um, so, but she's just graduated uh, in, oh, in 2011, so a couple of years ago. And since then, she's been working as a receptionist. So she hasn't really got her graduate career on track. So we've got some suggestions for her. So for a start, she could do further study or, and or go into academia um, she's got a decent grade. Um, she could get into a master's or a PhD program with sure. a 2-1. Yeah. We don't necessarily, we wouldn't recommend that super highly. Two, two years out of college um, is probably enough. It'd be far better uh, to have two years of, of a different experience than a receptionist. But it may in fact be that the receptionist job gave her some some sense of how businesses run. There are a lot of pe young people who graduate from undergraduates go right into an MBA. And unfortunately, the MBA is very theoretical. If you haven't applied, if you haven't learned about how business works, how large organizations work, what an industrial or institutional life is. Um, and so you end up with what amounts to a lot of theory. And there are a lot of people who discount people with young uh, master's degrees. That said, um, there's data out recently which says that a master's degree earlier is better if you're measuring the gap between what you came in at and what you come out at. The problem with that is that's simply because they started with a lower starting salary because mm -hmm. they were younger when they started. And I think the data will show that, in fact, a little bit more experience is probably better. Okay, so then she could do teaching, non-university teaching, because she won't have um, enough qualifications to do university teaching. But she does have some teaching experience. And in the UK, she can take a one-year training called, course called a PGCE and some maths and liter literacy tests. And if she chooses the right subjects, that will be paid for her by the, by the government, um, and she'll be qualified to teach any children up to age 18. 
And then teachers are in demand in, in a lot of countries. So she that um, would open up opportunities for her to move abroad to another English-speaking country or to, to work in an English school in a non-English-speaking country. Um, or she could obtain a TEFL um, qualification, which is right. teaching English as a foreign language and teach English abroad for those who want to learn it. And with um, the globalization of business, I just put that in air quotes, um, <laughs> <laughs> the globalization of business, um, a lot of people, uh, a lot of businesses are paying for their executives to learn English. And if you can get into that business, that's pretty lucrative rather than teaching, you know, kids or sort of young adults. So that's a good option for her. Okay. Obviously, she's working in a hotel, so you recommended hotel management. Yeah, so she's got a philosophy degree, so we'll assume that she's um, interested in people and the way they think, and there's lots of people in hotels. So there's um, a, a lot to, to watch and kind of consider and uh, to keep her interested. And if she was really good, if she really, if she didn't think of her job as a receptionist as this is just my job, I come in, I do what I do, I go home again, they pay me at the end of the month. If she thought about it and said, I'm going to be the best damn receptionist there is, and what's more, I'm going to do my best to learn what all of the other people in this hotel do and how this business is run, there's a stepping stone, there's a, there's a ladder to hotel right. management and owning a hotel for her there, if that's what she wanted to do. If she really likes it there, that's an absolutely fair career choice for her. Good. Okay, and then marketing. So she's got some marketing experience through her volunteer and temporary work. It's probably not enough to get her um, a marketing role in a really big company because she probably have to have a marketing degree and a bit more experience, but she might have enough to freelance for small businesses in her area and kind of build up a portfolio slowly, probably while she stays at her receptionist job. Right, right. Or a small to medium-sized business might be persuaded by some enthusiasm and the fact that she's relatively cheap because she's got little experience. Right. Um, and they'll kind of train her on the job. So there's, some, there's definitely an entry for her in marketing. Okay. And then the last thing we suggested for her was museum work. So one of the things that she is interested in is ancient Greece. And she's got some marketing skills, as we just said. So she could work in a museum curating exhibits. And then that uses her marketing skills for the whole display and um, telling the story of the exhibits. But she'd have to start at the bottom. And museum work is never well paid. And it's actually pretty um, competitive because... There's a lot of people that want to do it, and there aren't that many museums. Right. Um, so she'd have to be really interested in it because it would be a hard career for her. But if that's what she was interested in, that's what she wanted to fight for, it could be really interesting for her. Right. Good. And then last one, we have Nellie Olson. And this is somebody who's in the middle of a job change. Yeah, so we I included Nelly also not because it's a great resume, but because it shows you can change jobs and industries. It is harder to change a job or to change an industry, to change completely from one thing to another. But it's but there's no need for you to think, I've been doing this for ten years, nobody's ever gonna employ me to do something else. And Nelly kinda of proves that. So I listed her um experience. So she started an HR role in a telecommunications company. Then she had an HR role in an IT consulting company. Then she did freelance HR consulting. Right. And then, then she did a project manager at a startup. She was a client services manager at the same startup. Then she did project management IT security company. 
a project manager at PayPal, back office operations manager at PayPal, technical support at Quicken, and now she's a delivery assurance manager at a startup. And there are some threads of similarity, like PayPal and Quicken are obviously money and security. HR consulting would have given her bad project management skills and the client kind of skills kind of go through that thread. But if you said to somebody who was in an HR role in a telecommunications company, one day you could be technical support manager at Quicken, I think they'd go, uh, how? And insane. But Nelly proves that it's absolutely possible just to go step by step, step by step and end up somewhere completely different if that's what you want to do. Yeah, I, I think there's an assumption among a lot of people that the people who start out in HR, that's the only thing they're going to do or the only thing they want to do. Same thing with IT, but it's not necessarily so. If you're an IT person, but you love working with customers, you can easily leverage that internally at a company into a role. We like to say to people that you can't go from being a sales rep at one company to a sales manager at another company. You can do that promotion internally though. And um, there are moves you can make internally based on the goodwill and the reputation you have that allow you to pursue another opportunity somewhere else. It may be that that in this example, going from PayPal to Quicken, it may be the Quicken is building up, you know, I, I'm making this up, it's building up its mortgage business. And so you're at a bank, and so you figure out how to get into loan servicing at the bank because they love you out of being a teller. And and then because you have loan servicing, now you can go to Quicken. And because of that, now you're in the, the technology world, which is where you always wanted to go. And I think mm-hmm. too many people think that careers have to be vertical or they have to be uh, planned out in advance. And I think there's too much we know that suggests that's just not true. So one, one final point on that, folks, keep that in mind. You, if you see someone else's career and it appears to be well-managed, think again. It may look that way, but it may not actually be that way. And this cast was designed to help you see that there are other options. And uh, come to the forums and, and ask fellow managers and professionals, what were you thinking about? What did you do? Here's what I've done. What do you think? Does this make sense to you? Um, I'm thinking about doing this or I'm thinking about doing that. And over and over again, what many of the people in the forums will tell you is, better have a good network, better have some money saved. Um, your job security, your income security is really not insured by your company. It's insured by you um, and by your your, the, your ability to network and to create other opportunities. And this is one of the ways that you can do that is by thinking carefully about where you want to go, where you could go, and making sure your network reflects those kinds of things sometimes in the future. Yeah, and the easiest person to do this for was Willie because he had success written all, all over, over his, his resume. resume. Yeah. And, and so that's, you know, even if you're not in the place where you're thinking about moving or thinking about your career, you've just got into a job, think about success because it gives you so many more options. Yeah. Yeah. Moving between industries, changing locations, changing roles and so on is harder, but success and networks make it easier. Thanks, everybody. Come back next week. This is Career Tools. It'll be good. 